0: Inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran.
1: I've been blessed with interesting, accomplished, and caring individuals who have joined me on the Soft to Steel podcast. The conversations were wide-ranging. I'm especially blessed to have been introduced to today's guest by a dear friend who has lived through the loss of a family member to suicide, Bob Swanson. Cal Beyer is Vice President of Workforce Risk and Worker Wellbeing at Holmes Murphy & Associates. He is perhaps the most respected voice in the construction industry, writing and speaking about suicide prevention. He was asked by a friend, Cal, what's up with the push on suicide prevention? It's depressing. He responded, I'm speaking out about suicide because it is depressing. He's been talking for years about the trifecta of related topics, mental health, addiction, and suicide. Cal was recognized as an ER top 25 newsmaker in 2016 for all his work and his leadership in battling these industry scourges. And in the same year he was appointed to the executive committee of the National Action Alliance for Suicide Prevention. I could go on, but I'd be taking valuable minutes from our conversation. Cal, welcome to the Soft to Steel podcast. Thank you
2: very much, Dennis, and I really appreciate being here today. Great to see you again. Thank you. And you look
1: well. You look good. Thank you. You as well. Well, you know, again, I've been out in the sun. I've been out in the sun a little bit, a little bit too much. The Irish skin is not uh, cooperating, but we're going to have to tolerate that part. Cal, we're going to get right into it because it continues. It continues to alarm us. It continues to take our fullest attention. It continues to us asking the question, why can't we do more about this? And of course, I'm referring to alcoholism, other forms of addiction, mental health and suicide. The first question is, Why do you think it's still 2015 or 2014 in so many ways to a lot of people who are absolutely convinced and embracing with both hands the notion that this is a crisis in our industry?
2: Dennis, we've come so far. I'm one of those guys who sees this glass as more than half full. I do agree with you. We have people who are still burying their heads in the sand. Who need to have that wake up call that there is more that can be done, but people have responded. Our industry is doing so much more. So I've been focusing on that positive side. That's one of your top 10 softest steel qualities. And I think that positive mindset is helping people embrace this idea that we're doing a lot, but more can be done. But I think stigma continues to be a challenge we have a multi-generational workforce. We grew up in an industry where we didn't talk about it. I had someone two years ago say, it's hard to shift to becoming a caring industry when we didn't care for 100 years. And I know he was being tongue-in-cheek when he said that, but it wasn't popular to express that care like it is becoming more so today. It's becoming more acceptable more even in vogue and in some companies they're seeing this
1: as a source of sustainable competitive advantage that's good news that's certainly good news i recently interviewed an individual who talked about he happened to be a fairly significant leader in our industry and he talked about in our conversation about uh, what it was like in his first days on the job in the construction industry and then fast forward he then compared that to how his son coming into the industry just a few years ago, how he described his beginning experiences. And I think the word you've used, which is an important word in my vocabulary, and that is the term caring, and also closely associated with that, the idea of just respecting individuals. Those two words, I think, have been linchpins to the positive turn that you describe with such energy and such authority as well. If anyone can say what the state of this issue and this situation is in our industry with authority and with a tremendous amount of energy and caring, it would be you. Wow, that's awesome. And I really appreciate that. I try to be very
2: humble. This has been the most important work I've done in my career. And Dennis, since I've had the opportunity to do this over the last 10 years, I feel like every day I'm working on a legacy project. Like this is what I thought I would be doing in my retirement years. And so I feel um, a responsibility to just keep planting those seeds, keep cultivating that soil, keep uh, making certain that we get to a harvest point where we will see the fruits of our labor. And that's what excites me. Things like AGC of America, starting a national mental health and suicide prevention task force, construction safety week, three consecutive years, taking what I believe are more soft skill topics. Mm -hmm. And then most recently, we finished the second annual mental health and suicide prevention summit. We had 400 individuals, 65 sponsors this year. Wow, That was double last year. It's showing people are meeting us, and as people lean in, they're seeing that there's more acceptance to this topic and that people are benefiting from all the collective good that's being done.
1: Yeah. Talk about, uh, about the obvious relationship between uh, dealing with these, these uh, issues uh, and just in a general sense, safety in the construction workplace.
2: Yeah. We've moved the needle pretty significantly on safety. We put a lot of emphasis on safety. I uh, re-listened to your discussion with Bob Swanson uh, recently, and I've just been struck by how important safety has become in our industry. I'm so excited about that as a risk management and safety professional. I think there's a lot of positive there. But on the side of mental health, it's something we didn't talk about. We didn't think about a whole person coming to work. We thought people could separate their personal self from their work self. And what we learned over time is people were struggling and suffering in silence. And Dennis, back in 2010, I was reframing mental health as the next frontier in safety. By 2015, I was reframing safety 24 seven to be not focusing on getting people home safe at the end of the shift, but getting them back to work safe from home. And that's been the biggest difference is people are recognizing we can have a responsibility for our people once their shift is over. And when people recognize that level of care that they matter at the individual level, people will lean in, they'll be more uh, conducive to asking for help or seeking help or accepting help when it is offered. I think that's the biggest difference that I've seen. Safety, in many ways, has led this charge, and yeah. as a safety professional, that makes me really proud.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I and I agree with that entirely. Uh, what uh, you mentioned the AGC initiative, obviously that's huge uh, because of how how, how many contractors uh, they represent across uh, our country. Um, are there other uh, are there other programs or initiatives that you've seen get underway in the in the past? year or so that you would suggest are uh, benchmark opportunities uh, to use to help more and more people recognize the ways they can address uh, these issues as part and parcel. And I, I love your idea about, you mentioned the whole, the idea of the whole person. I talk about that in a, in a, in a broader sense, when I talk about the, uh, uh the necessity for our industry to look at how they develop, uh, people coming into the industry, not just as apprentices, learning the tools in the trade, but also to develop the whole person, uh, to help them learn things about themselves and about dealing with uh, the issues such as mental health, addiction and suicide, uh, um, so what what are some other other uh, yes. initiatives you've seen out there that uh, uh, you can identify so we can let people know about other places to look for examples of how we're making good progress? Yeah, I've been really excited about the Associated Builders and
2: Contractors, ABC. They've been working on an integrated approach called Total Human Health. So it looks at what NIOSH is doing, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, for a total worker health approach. But this idea of total human health is looking at integrating physical safety with emotional safety. And they're doing some really powerful things. They're building this in to their annual safety training evaluation program, that STEP program, and they're sharing resources. And that's gonna have a profound impact as well labor unions are developing their custom programs. The Mechanical Contractors Association of America partnered recently with TALK and others. The Association for Union Constructors, they're sharing uh, poker chip coins, like challenge coins with 988 and other emergency contact info. But it's really spreading like a wildfire across our industry and we're just seeing so many new organizations make this a topic at their conferences, at their chapter meetings, at regional events. And then of course, the construction safety week. I think that's really significant. Those are some of our leading companies that are showing the way and modeling why this topic is a safety, health and wellness topic. I'm excited about it, Dennis. This is Yeah. We're it's at a good. tipping point no more turning point tipping point
1: tipping point that's a good that's a good we didn't we didn't have that word uh, 30 or 40 years ago but it's, we did it, not. it it does it does say it doesn't it it does say it is there do you think there's a, any uh, again this is this is me being uh, random and a little bit off the wall uh, Cal you guess you know a little bit of my reputation I do seem a little nuts to people at times but uh, I, I don't mean anything bad by it no. but do you think there's any is there possibly a connection? Uh, in terms of everything you've talked about, which, which addresses the construction industry, so all of the stakeholders, all the persons, particularly the workers, obviously. But do, do you think there's any connection between that and two other things that are important in our industry right now? One is all of the initiatives to try to bring more women into our industry. Uh, and the second is this recognition of the fact that we have to, we have to turn how we tell the story of the construction industry to make it a, a different story, a more interesting story for the new generations coming in industry, are, are those two uh, two aspects of what's going on in the industry? Do they do they do they work and play in concert with with this, Dennis? I believe they both
2: do. I think this idea around storytelling to make construction an industry of choice. So that is a workforce development initiative. And then women in construction really ties more toward inclusion, diversity, equity in our industry. I think they go hand in hand. I have found people are embracing mental health in both platforms. I've been doing programs with some apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship programs to teach people that the industry is changing and that different tools and resources are available. So that's one exciting opportunity. And I've been doing that in some ways since 2016, but it's becoming more popular. It's becoming more um, integrated into the apprenticeship program. There's a gentleman in St. Louis, Dr. John Gall. He's active with the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. Like Bob Swanson, he lost a son to suicide. He grew up as a career apprentice trainer in the carpenters' trade and craft. And John has really taken this to that international foundation of employee benefit plans and started baking this in to apprentice programs more broadly. That's going to have a huge difference. And I'd like to just share quickly a group called Procore, which is um, an enterprise risk uh, platform for construction accounting and business uh, process management. They're doing a lot in this area of inclusion and diversity. And I'd like to just say, I'm participating with a webinar with them. It's going to be broadcast in May. It ties to this idea around inclusion. But they've done a lot with the groundbreaking women in construction. And I'm seeing that this topic of mental health is a big part of this. And if we think about a big challenge our industry faces, Dennis, it's been the method of workplace bullying, harassment, discrimination, and retaliation. And when we are inclusive, those problems will be taken away. Right now, construction faces reputation risk, which keeps people from wanting to be part of this industry, which keeps families from discouraging people from pursuing careers in the trades. And so when we work together, on inclusion, diversity, mental health, workforce development, it's going to be a unified front. That this is a desirable industry where people can make a good living, and that we care about individuals, and collectively we can be our brothers and sisters keepers. And I believe that would really fit to what you're trying to accomplish as well.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, that's 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 the world I that I live in. Uh, recently, I I had the the privilege of having the. Uh, the executive director of Canada's Building Trades Union, uh, a gentleman by the name of Sean Strickland, and we had a wonderful conversation. In fact, it's uh, it's going to drop next week, and I, I would urge you, in particular, to to listen to. that. I, find, I think you'll find it very enjoyable. Uh, the t- the The episode title uh, is "The Construction Industry: A Story Worth Telling," uh, so you can get a hint of where he's coming from uh, with regards to that. And it's just it's basically what you're describing. and And I think that the And I was recently also had the privilege of being asked to participate in a pre-apprenticeship experience in Chicago uh, under the auspices of something called Chicago Women in the Trades, uh, where I was asked to come in and spend a day with the participants in that program. And we use that day uh, to process and discuss in detail uh, an assessment that I administered to them uh, online, which provided them information about their behavioral style or personality, along with their emotional intelligence, uh, and uh, and to say that the that the day was interesting uh, was uh, was worthwhile uh, is a gross understatement. They they were all enthralled by the notion of uh, of. People in the construction industry, you know, they, yeah, they showed me how to do all these different finishing trades because it was in connection with the IUPAT's district council. Uh, but they, but they spent a day uh, doing doing something that, that relates to me as a human, uh, and, and, and I'll tell you, I was, I'm still, a, and thinking about that group of women. Uh, I, I think about them in two regards. Young, they were, they, the average age I would guess was probably about twenty eight maybe wow. a little bit older the average um there may have been one or two moms among them i know there was definitely one uh there may have been a few that were married or and, and several that were single uh but the the brightness uh the interest uh and and uh, and the recognition on their part that this I, we didn't expect this this you know this is the construction industry and this and this guy is talking to us about our our personalities and emotional intelligence but that's, that's all right there, and, it, and, it need, and it, those things need to be talked about because we want to talk about, about, about human safety, about the 24-hour safety. That, that means that, that we have to help people understand themselves uh, and, and also understand how to relate to other people because it's those other people that either create an environment which is hostile in a workplace or create an environment which is a, is a good place to be. Dennis, you can build leaders
2: at every level when you teach emotional intelligence. And so I listened to your podcast uh, with uh, Brent Darnell, someone Mm -hmm. in our industry who's been a pioneer in this space. And the work that you two do overlaps and intersects. And it's so awesome to see you two have that opportunity to share a voice and a platform. Mm -hmm. But leaders at every level is how we're going to change this industry and equipping people with Soft as steel skills is one path to doing that. You think about those uh, qualities, you've just taught people that they matter and that they can make a difference in this industry. Um, That you can't take that away. And so, Dennis, likewise, years ago when I was talking about mental health before we talked about it in the workplace, I was talking about building caring cultures, I was talking about human capital risk management. So, as a risk And safety professional. It was investing in people. And almost every business leader who did said, We take care of our people, they take care of the business, which means take care of customers. And guess what? The profits follow. Those organizations were early adopters and they got to see the benefit of it. So, likewise, you mentioned the IUPAT, Mm -hmm. their Helping Hand program has been one of those leading examples of changing job site culture, and then investing in individuals, showing them a path to seeking help, and then building a peer support network within. And the Ironworkers has the Be That One Guy program to really break those barriers to empower men and women on job sites and and persons who are non-binary to contribute to building this collective safe culture on our job sites. Yeah, the change is happening, and uh, yeah, I'm sure there's some friction that guys like you and me don't always know about. But uh, for the most part, I'm seeing our industry change itself. It's going to make us a more attractive industry, and it's going to help pave the way for newcomers to this industry to succeed and
1: find their path. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's uh, that's a good news message uh, in the face of you know one of the. One of the, the age old curses of of humanity is this whole notion of how difficult change is, uh, and uh, and so I you know I quite often am, am commenting, coaching, cajoling, or otherwise, and you know, sometimes yelling at people uh, who are a, a little bit older, uh, and uh, and just without, even even without words, they convey resistance. Uh, but you know, and and then if they enunciate their their real uh, deep hidden thought about whatever the topic is, particularly if it's around this stuff about different ways of dealing with people and and the idea of caring and and using using love in connection with uh, with a business enterprise, uh, you know, this, the old it's all we've always done it this way. Uh, it's always been this way, and that again. That was the that was a little story about uh, you know what it was. Sean Strickland, actually, who I mentioned earlier from the Canadian Building Trades, who t- who talked about his first days in the, in his in the trade, uh, and uh, and then what his son experienced, and, and 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 it was it was it was remarkable uh, to to hear the simple but powerful uh, flip from you know the, the the old days, which which still and again just to. To come back to my more cautious thought, because both you and I, I think, have a have a common trait, and that is we're we're incredibly incredibly optimistic about what people can do. Yes. Uh, and uh, but but then I had to pull myself back because there are there are still you know in in this in the senior levels of leadership. Uh, and, and and at the and particularly at the local, uh, and depending on what unit, the council or district or whatever level, there's there's still leadership in, in, at that level uh, that has their head tilted towards the, the past. Uh, and why they may identify, you know, I think the IUPAT's jargon is that in their district council structure, they have a champion uh, that uh, is a, plays a critical role in the Helping Hands program. I'm, that, that program I know a good bit about, uh, as you might guess. Yes. Um, but uh, but, but that, so, they ass- so somebody may step up or they may assign somebody to do it, and, and stepping up or being assigned are two entirely different thought processes. Um, and I'm wait. I, I know you. There's. I, I can tell you. There's something you want to say. So go ahead and say it right now.
2: <laughs> no, I think what's powerful, like your book, when I read it, 2020. You published it in 2019. I looked at those top 10 skills, mm-hmm. and I said, as I got to know you, and we got to spend some time together, we saw that we had some of this common ground. You think about the way we show those skills or we manifest those skills. Again, I am optimistic. I'm seeing more signs of people being catalysts, facilitators, mediators. They're using consultative, collaborative skills. They're coaching people. So the change is afoot. And what I've seen is teaching boomers, which mm-hmm. I am one, yes. how to show concern, compassion, compassion, Empathy toward their family is helping bridge this in the workplace. Mm-hmm. If we teach them how to care for their families, that's why we have the provider gene. We're just trying to take care of our families. And so that's been one of the things that I've seen that um, has worked in breaking down some of the resistance, teaching people your family's at risk. Let me teach you how to take care of them. And that's when you see it hit the heart.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And we know that expression, it's hard to win the minds if we don't win the hearts. Yeah. And um, that's what I would just encourage people. When you see that resistance, is there a human touch you can make for that person? Mm -hmm. And if we can touch those hearts of those resistors, then we can have an impact where they could even be a force multiplier. Yeah. Yeah. And when people see change in those
1: resistors, Mm -hmm. it's almost like magic, right? Yeah. 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 You know, it's uh, again, uh, some of my my recent stories which I'm happy to share with folks uh, come out of my experience with the IUPAT uh, that I've enjoyed a a very, very good working relationship for a long time. Uh, And uh, uh, and they asked asked they asked me if I wanted to do a special edition of the Soft, Soft to Steel podcast at their January meeting in Las Vegas. Uh, in front of their full audience. Uh, and, uh, of course I said, yes. I mean, why would I say, <laughs> why would I say no? Exactly. Um, uh, and uh but you know but there, there were in a sense, there were kind of a, a couple of strings attached on my side. One is that that the, the four pillars or four elements of my of my program, uh, which touch on love, inclusion, social justice and and leadership uh, were were going to be uh, topical within a conversation that I would hold with uh, a selection of industry leaders uh, and uh, uh, and so we went about formulating this event. Uh, that was, by all accounts, was very well received uh, and and very, uh, very worthwhile because uh, it's and it's still out there. It's uh, it's kind of evergreen in some ways. Um, but one of the things that was important about that was that, uh, first of all, I wanted I wanted the uh, I wanted the general president of the IEPAT to be part of the conversation. Um, I also wanted to make sure that there was at least some uh, some uh, obvious element of of what results what what ends up re- resulting in inclusion that is diversity in the members of the conversation. Uh, so we had uh, a young a young leader. Uh, who is a partner in one of the one of the larger painting and uh, decorating contracting companies in the Upper Midwest? Um, uh, she was on our on our conversation, along with other individuals in a couple of different generations across our industry. Um, and one of the questions that I that I posed to get my to get my finger on the touch of one of the things that I talk about a lot, uh, and particularly its relationship to to growth, development, and change, mm-hmm. is love. And so I, I posed a question to them, and I asked them to cut, to, to share with uh, with the audience how love is present in their life, at work, at home, and in the community. Uh, and the answers have been recorded and are public. Um, and they were good answers. Uh, the answers that, and I asked them some questions they, they they were prepared for that question. I told them ahead of time there are, there are four questions that i i 'm going to include in our conversation, so they knew about those ahead of time and I could tell that at least two of the, of the members of the conversation had given some significant serious thought, even down to the point of a couple of index cards with with thoughts on them that they had on their lap sure uh, but others just you know, maybe thought about it for a minute and just basically responded. But then I surprised them with questions that they weren't prepared for. Uh, and, and, and that's when the conversation became even more interesting. Uh, but the outcome of that uh, was that uh, in, in a way, that conversation uh, in front of a full audience of industry leaders, as well as uh, from the labor and management side of the finishing trades uh, was, was a way to display uh, a different way of talking about our industry um, talking about it from the perspective of people, uh, because again, that's that's the world that you and I live. We we live in the world of the people in our industry, not the tools, the techniques, the introduction of AI, all that. Kind of, that's all relevant, but but you know, where where we're trying to help uh, and carry the message is around the people that are our, the industry. Well, your idea of, I mean, love,
2: inclusion, social justice, to name three of those four Mm -hmm. are really powerful. They're things that no one talked about until you started talking about those. I can relate a lot to how lonely that had to be and a lot of crickets moments, right? Mm -hmm. Where you would throw something out, no one would respond, and you were probably a little bit hell-bent. I'm gonna make a difference here in this space. But social justice ties to this idea around addiction, treatment, and recovery. You know, one thing that people sometimes don't think about is they think about lifestyle choices, and they think all addiction stems from people making bad choices. But in a lot of cases with the opioid crisis, addiction found people, Mm -hmm. people with an injury, people who had surgery, people who had chronic pain, just wanted the pain to go away. In a lot of cases, people did what the doctor said would make them better. They took the white pill, and then they ended up with an addiction. When the pendulum swung too far, where pain management had led to too many easy prescriptions and then renewals, because it was addictive, those individuals were cut off when prescription drug monitoring programs occurred, mm-hmm. and there's data that will show what happened was a increase people accessing heroin because of an addiction. It wasn't that they wanted to do illicit drugs. The legal drugs were no longer available to them. In a way, that is a social justice challenge. Absolutely. And then the criminal justice took over or discrimination where they needed to get rehab, but they fail a drug test. They're kicked to the curb and no one really had a program. Even if you had a last chance agreement, it was a Badge of dishonor. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of discrimination that those individuals face in coming back to the workplace. The social justice solution is now in 30 states, there's a movement called recovery friendly or recovery ready workplaces. And it's to pave the way to show people who are in long term recovery make strong employees. Mm -hmm. And that's really exciting to me to see our industry get the opportunity to benefit from this. Mm-hmm. We have a workforce shortage. We know the data shows between 500 and 650,000 workers short. And uh, what an opportunity for redemption to give people a chance to come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually those programs are supervised with drug testing. Yeah. So it's not giving people a free pass. It's not taking away consequences. They face the consequences. When do people get to Redeem themselves. And um, that's something I wanted to share with you. I'm so glad you brought that up. About our time together today. I think that yeah, you were the first person that I heard use the word social justice. A partner I work with a lot, Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas, she always talked about mental health and suicide prevention from the lens of social justice. Mm-hmm. But you were the first two to really um, embrace that. Yeah. And now we're seeing that with workforce development. We're seeing that with maternity programs in construction and the trades to make certain that mother and baby are uh, well cared for. Mm -hmm. And then this whole idea that we're seeing around addiction treatment and recovery um, is a good thing for society. Yeah, We've lost too, too
1: many people with overdoses. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Any, any last, uh, any last uh, wisdom? You know, the, one of the funny, thing about, uh, funny things about this conversation is it probably could go on for a little, quite, a, oh, quite a while. I um, could talk to you all day. And I to you as well. And it's absolutely ironic. And Juan has listened to all these conversations, and I'm my producer. And I wanted just to mention that one of the things he does brilliantly is that he listens to these conversations, and then he finds and selects a short snippet from the conversation, your words that we use as the cover when we drop an episode. And I have said to an episode, every snippet he has selected has been interesting, attention-catching, and right on the money. I can guarantee you that he will have a difficult time finding a snippet in this field, because there are so many phrases and words that you have used that also, ironically, uh, and he's probably thinking the same thing when he listens to this, was that Dennis or was that Cow? Was that Dennis or was that? Because you and I have expressed some thoughts in identical, almost identical words my book is copywritten, pal. No. <laughs> I remember when
2: you sent me a copy of your book, I'm like, dang, you just took the book idea I wanted to do and you nailed it. I save you the trouble. Your examples of, I think there's 50 techniques yeah. to apply yeah. the soft Human skills that have been neglected and ignored in our industry. I think one thing I've really tried to do is be thoughtful. Like I mentioned, those words catalyst, facilitator, mediator, but like three others that are just always front and center when I see your book on my shelf, when I talk to people about having met you, it would be networker, consensus builder, bridge builders. These are the skills we use to apply those soft as steel skills. And if they were easy, more people would do them. But with practice, people can embrace and apply these soft skills, these human skills. And what happens when people do that, they actually become more vulnerable. And when they're more vulnerable and they test something that's foreign to them or you have wobbling, right? And the learning is always in the wobbles. And so I tell people, just try one new skill, try one new approach, try to reach out to employees differently. And they're always coming back to me to say, well, what happened? And they'll say, well, I leaned in and they leaned back, right? Mm -hmm. They'll lean harder on you when you make yourself vulnerable. So Dennis, I think you've been a trendsetter, you've been a pace setter, You've been someone that was leading a pack and I'm just happy to be running in that same circle with you. And I just want to thank you for putting some attention and shining light on mental health, substance misuse, suicide, and even the overdose crisis. If people are looking for help or resources, I'm going to encourage them to reach out. I'm happy to share info. We want to build an army of helpers and, um, We're just trying to equip and empower people to make a difference in their lane or their place in this industry.
1: Yeah. Well, let me close by saying a couple of things. One is that your very gracious comments about me to me will all be edited out of this show. Um, We we can't have that. It's just too much. Notice my red face is even redder. I saw that. uh, I apologize. uh, That's okay. But I thank you for that. And I feel like I'm talking to someone who in this endeavor— this crusade and this journey that we're on, that you are one of the great leaders in that movement. When I hear your name, it's always in association with only the great things that you do, your presence, your visibility, your heart, and again, anybody listening to this episode will have the feeling that we both have and that we share around, again, not just our industry, but more importantly, the people who are our industry. So I want to thank you for your time. This has been a gift. I look forward to being able to listen to this as well now that we've participated in it. And I know maybe I should make a commitment. We need to find a way to collaborate. We do. You know, outside the frame of our little recording here. But thank you so much for coming on the Soft to Sale podcast. Thank you again, Dennis. I felt the same way as I was thinking about today,
2: like we should find a way to collaborate. Brent Darnell and I are doing so, and it's the most meaningful work that we can do together. Good. And thank you for your time. Thanks for your interest and keep doing what you do. And I look forward to having our paths cross hopefully soon. Thanks, Ken. Thanks a lot, Dennis.
0: Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at dennisdurandspeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book Softest Steel on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran.
1: Produced by Audovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.